0: Welcome to Breaking News with Ben Hunt, Jack Forehand, and Matt Ziegler. Before we start, let me remind you what this show is not. Breaking News is not a show about fact-checking. Breaking News is not a show about saying whose bias is the one and only correct bias. And Breaking News is definitely not a show about calling out fake news. Breaking News is a show where we look at today's top stories and have a conversation around our favorite critical question, why am I reading this now? Drawing on the headlines we're tracking at fiatnews.com, Join us as we talk about what's collectively making us tick with clear eyes, full hearts, and this obligatory disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast is advising you to buy or sell any security or to do anything with your money. Seriously, you should only act on investment advice from someone you know and someone who knows your unique situation. We are not that person.
1: Welcome back to Breaking News. I'm Matt Ziegler. That's Jack Forehand, and this, of course, is Ben Hunt welcome back guys. How's
2: it going? Good to be back, Matt.
1: All right. So this feels a little somber. The conversation before we want to thank everybody for joining us here on YouTube or wherever you're tuning in. Thanks for the messages that you've been sending us. The comments we're getting are great. The Epsilon Theory Forum, the emails reaching out on socials. We're genuinely excited about the community that's coming together around this, this new YouTube channel. So today we're leading off with Israel Hamas war and particularly the Gaza City hospital situation. You could think of this episode as a expanded zeitgeist section, if you will. And this is hurting. We're we're losing lives, and it feels like we're losing trust in institutions, uh, in other people, and the middle in this widening gyre we keep talking about, it just feels like we just found a new low. And that's, that's heartbreaking. This, this conversation is a struggle. It's going to be a little bit of a struggle, but we think it's important that we demonstrate having conversations like this out loud because this is what we need to do. We all need to talk to get through this. So as a reminder, our focus in this conversation is going to not be so much on the event. We're not breaking literal news here. We are breaking news down. And we want to discuss not just what was represented in the media, in the news, but how it's been represented to us in the world over these last couple of days, weeks. So let's start here, Jack. Uh, You've got some headlines. We have to dissect these headlines and what we just saw.
3: Yeah, and I'm going to start with the New York Times, but obviously there were many news organizations that that reported this very poorly or reported this in... Maybe not the best way, but we're going to start with the New York Times because the New York Times had a changing headline throughout this. And I want to read the three headlines just to set the stage for where we are. So the initial headline when this happened in the New York Times was Israeli strike kills hundreds and kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. The next headline that it changed to was at least 500 dead in strike on Gaza hospital, Palestinians say. And then it evolved to at least 500 dead in blast at Gaza hospital, Palestinians say. So one of the things we've learned with this podcast, Ben, is the importance of words. And I don't know if you could have a better example than what I'm looking at in front of me right now in terms of these words and what it meant to me to read this as each one of these individual words changed. So can you just talk about these headlines and sort of how they evolved?
2: Fiat news, right? This is the purest and to my mind, the most heinous expression of Fiat news you'll ever see. Fiat news is the presentation of opinion as fact. The reason I call this heinous is that the opinion being presented is literally the Hamas press release. And I use that word literally in its literal meaning. It is literally the Hamas press release that an Israeli airstrike killed hundreds more than five hundred by targeting a hospital in Gaza. And like our fiat news today, it's not just the words. It's not just the headline. It's also the imagery. We talk about the New York Times and we're, we're going to focus on the New York Times. But I also want to mention the LA Times, which did exactly the same thing. I want to mention the BBC, which went beyond these headlines, as you're describing, to, in fact, having an opinion leader, a guest on to explain to us how this was an, an Israeli airstrike and why this is what happened. It's the imagery as well as the, as the words. And in this case, with the New York Times, It was the publishing of a photograph of an unrelated bombing, airstrike, scene of desolation, with the headline. Not off to the side, not associated with the headline, but titled by the headline. The headline was the title for this photograph the caption for the photograph was Scenes of an Israeli airstrike at such and such place. Anybody who looks at that, anybody who reads the caption in the headline thinks, Oh God, they this is the photograph of a destroyed hospital. What we know is that this wasn't true. Right? There was There are broken windows at the hospital. There are cars burned in the parking lot. I suspect lots of people did die there. But that, what was presented to us, not on social media, that we know is a, you know, a, a, paper bag full of dog shit that's been put in front of your on fire in front of your 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 front door. We know that's what social media is. But here are the arbiters of fact in our modern society. The New York Times, the BBC, the LA Times, and they are presenting as headline the Hamas press release and photographs that have nothing to do with the event that's being described. Now, this is the purest and most, again, most, to me, most heinous expression of opinion as fact that I've, I've seen and the consequences of this fiat news are extraordinary because at this point it doesn't matter that more facts come available that the hospital was not leveled that we're not sure how many people died and it sure doesn't seem like it was an Israeli airstrike that did this none of that matters anymore because once the story is presented The facts, the retraction, the revision. We all know how this works. It doesn't matter. The story, Israeli airstrike, destroys hospital, kills hundreds. That's been embraced. And the, the, the after the fact explainers on this, all of this just it just makes it worse, right? This stop the fog of war, right? The fog of war doesn't explain the editorial choice to publish photographs that are totally unrelated to the event that you are describing. To present those titled by your headline. Which you know is the Hamas press release. There is no fog of war, uh, you know. Oh my goodness, things are happening so rapidly. How could we have done it? Give me a freaking break. The conscious choices involved here to create a engaging story. That's what overrode everything, every bit of journalistic ethics or just simple common sense or what, what we as a society need and require all of that went out the window. So yeah, this is a tough one to talk about.
3: It really is. And it just, it just seems like a complete lack of institutional control at every level. Um, I mean, the fact that this could have ended up on the front page of the New York Times, and like you said. I mean, the picture, the headline, I mean, the whole thing is horrible. Like, how does that ever get through and end up? And it's, you know, like we said, it's not just the New York Times. though this is probably the most egregious example. Like, how does this ever get through and end up on the front page of the New York Times?
2: Well, then I learned that, you know, as the kids would say, TIL, you know, the, the, the New York Times has not had what's called an ombudsman, a public editor. They haven't had one since I think 2017, maybe 2019. They haven't had one for four years. This, this used to be. There used to be institutional barriers, but um, pushback on choices like all of these media institutions. So we we can't say that it's specific to the New York Times because it wasn't just the New York Times. I say the BBC was actually worse in the fiatness of their coverage, their embracing of this story. The LA Times from the, you know, the, the photography elements of this was worse. They are all doing it They have all abdicated the notion of having a public editor, an ombudsman, who institutionally stands there to ask the question that you are asking, Jack. So how did this happen? It happened because media institutions have structurally changed over the last four years, eight years, 15 years to our detriment.
3: You know, one of the other things that, that struck me about this is this use of Palestinian say. So it's almost like I think, and I think your partner Rusty addressed this too. Like it's almost like we can say whatever we want, and then if, as long as we say Palestinian say, we're moving the responsibility from ourselves because we put that in there. It, it, that seems just that seems awful as well.
2: It's and, and you can see the egregiousness when you look at how the headline changed. The final headline. Blast at Hospital Kills Hundreds should have been the first headline. There is no reason why the last headline was not the first headline. There's no reason other than it's not a story arc. It's not as engaging of a narrative as to say, The Israelis attacked a hospital, intentionally killing hundreds, right? The last headline should have been, and because it's clear that the last headline should have been the first headline, what we know Uh, is the first headline was a choice. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't, oh gosh, it was just, it was all the news. It was all the information we had at the time. That's not true. You know who's giving you these words, Israeli airstrike. You know you, do, you don't have to say these words, and we know you don't have to say these words because you said other words later that you should have said first. So it's not like, oh, I, we don't have the words. You had the words. You chose not to use them. And that, so that to me, you can look at the progression of this and see that rather than exercise more care during uncertainty when you're not sure of the facts, that's when you should exercise more care in your words and your presentation, your representation of the facts when you're not sure. The New York Times chose violence, but they chose to be less careful during the time when they knew less. And that was an
3: active choice. How much of this is about clicks? You know, if you like getting the best headline, and, you know, obviously a picture which has nothing to do with this, but is a picture of rubble and what you'd expect from a blast or I mean, how much of this is just about like, they just, we got to get this out before everybody else. We got to get clicks. We've got to use the most aggressive stuff we can. I mean, is that what's driving this? Sure. Of
2: course it is. And, and it goes deeper than just the economics of it. Right. So, and I'll, here I'll focus on the BBC, which is a, yeah, you know, largely publicly supported institution. So it, it's, yes, there are economic issues around the BBC. Uh, but it is not a profit maximization organization. And I would argue that the New York Times do not, does not see itself as a profit maximizing organization. Whether it sees itself as a profit optimizing organization within a larger mission of being the people of record. So yes, it's about the clicks. Yes, it's about the money. And it's not all about that. There is something else going on here beyond profit maximization. And all I can say is that something else is the same something else that you see in Twitter now. FinTwit, financial Twitter now. Where now, oh, let's put up uh, pictures of American Jews and let's put a Star of David next to them and just ask questions. It, that's something else. That's
1: specifically not just what we see because we can point at, uh, news institutions playing, not just the profit game. And we can point at FinTwit accounts where we're seeing stuff like this today or recording this, the status game element of this, like, like we're actually yep. turning yep human issues into pure status game being played out. Your thoughts on that?
2: Let's use the word, Matt. It's not human issues. It's human death and suffering. It's human death, suffering, and pain. And we're turning that into our entrepreneurialism for status, votes, clicks, likes, celebrity, and money. Yeah. It's all of that. And using as your plot engine, your narrative device, using the the Jew TM, as the narrative advice device with which you are trying to acquire that celebrity clicks, status votes. money. And I I just, I never thought it would happen so quickly, so obviously, so blatantly. That's what makes me so angry, so sad, so dreading of what's coming down the pike. Is that, yes, the New York Times went there. The New York Times went there, and they went there like that. And so did the L.A. Times. And so did the BBC. And I expected in social media, and I guess I should have expected it from these media institutions as well. But you know what? I really didn't. I thought that was a a base that you couldn't go lower than. And they just blew right through it. They just blew right through it.
3: You know, another thing that's like, I mean, there's a lot that's, that's scary for me about this. Um, and I want to talk about this, this whole rupturing of sort of the relationship with the Jewish community, with some of the institutions in our society right now. But I also want to ask you, you know, it's scary to me how this translates into the real world, these headlines. So, you know, we know Joe Biden was out in the in Israel. He was going to meet with Middle Eastern leaders. He did not meet with Middle Eastern leaders because of this. And so... It just seems like, I mean, there's so much suffering going on already and it just scares me so much that like this type of thing can make things worse. I mean, it escalates conflict. People can die because of it. And it just seems, I mean, maybe I'm off base on that, but it it just seems like that's really awful that like the, like an organization would show this, you know, this carelessness and then it can translate into things like that.
2: You're not off base at all. No, the, the the embracing of this story, and that, that's what we're seeing, right? It, it was the embracing of this story. The immediate, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It, this story was embraced in a positive sense for the cliques and the all from the New York Times. It was also embraced in the Jewish community as well. It's like, oh, my God, our worst fears come to light. Our worst fear has come to light that this would happen. And it's like, well, wait a second. It didn't actually happen. It didn't happen this way, right? Everyone was pride because this was either your, your, your worst fear or in the case of, you know, Hamas, this is, this is, this is what we wanted. This is the story we want to get out because when it is embraced, I say the revisions don't matter. The, the the revisions don't grab us like that initial virus does. It doesn't grab. It doesn't imprint into our brains the way the initial news did. And once it's imprinted, then that becomes the reality. The fact that the actual facts and revisions it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore once you embrace the story over. Your freaking responsibility, And again, that's just what makes me so angry right now.
3: Yeah, me too. I mean, you can't, you can't walk it back. You know, I mean, the meetings that were canceled were canceled. The escalation of tensions that happened has happened. Like you're not going to de-escalate it now. And so that that's the scary part about it is like you said, I mean, the initial, the damage is done. Um, you're not going to undo it.
2: Correct. Correct. We've had to use market terms, another leg down and the ability for any group to trust any other group. And it's that just pure abandonment of their responsibility and duty, the duty of care that any institution of power has, whether it's a media institution, a financial institution, A healthcare institution, a governmental institution, you have a duty of care. And that duty was absolutely abandoned by these media institutions who we need that duty from the most.
3: You know, and it's it's good people on both sides lose is the problem, um, you know, Everyone loses. Like this doesn't, this escalates conflict between everybody. And that's kind of the sad part about this. This is not a one sided thing. This is, everybody loses in a situation like this because a conflict becomes worse um, than it otherwise would have been.
2: This is the equilibrium of, well, lots of games where I'll use the prisoner's dilemma as an example. The balancing point, the rational output of a prisoner's dilemma game is bad for all of the players, right? It's not that you've got a winner and a loser. It's that we're all worse off. And it's entirely rational. It would be irrational to do anything that did not put you in the all-worse-off camp. Hey. That's why this duty of care is so crucial. And it is now, once it's abandoned by, by the institutions who must maintain it, if we are to end up in a stable outcome where we're all better off. it's entirely rational for all participants at the individual level, the group level, the governmental level, to say, we got to take care of ourselves. That's the world we're in. To Matt's point earlier, there is no middle in this world we're describing. There is no cooperation. It is all polarized. And we are all the worse off for it. Here's the big point for me. Yeah, we've been talking on this, on this show for a couple episodes now about American politics and how you've got systematic polarization, how media, how our news is presented to us in ways that is intentionally designed to push us to one side or the other that auto-tunes us to red camp and blue camp. The event which must have trust in a democracy is the result of an election. If you do not trust the result, then the system does not stand. You must trust the result. And gosh, we saw in 2020, there's a lot of people who did not trust the result. Who's going to trust the 2024 result after what we've seen from these media institutions, the official record keepers, if you will their abandonment of their duty of care. And we don't know what's going to happen. What it looks like right now is going to be a really close election in 2024. The president. New York Times on so I think uh, yeah, our election is going to be on Tuesday, November 5th. 2024. On Wednesday, November 6th, the New York Times declares a winner. You gonna believe it? Okay. <laughs> when they've demonstrated that they don't have a duty of care, I don't (laughs) know, I, whichever side loses, whichever, whichever side loses, they're not going to accept the election results, I don't think. Now, I don't know what that means to say they don't accept the election results. I don't know what that means. Does that mean marching on the Capitol like Jan 6? I don't know. Does it mean, you know, we're going to start secession, you know, Trump wins, so we're going to start secession efforts in California and New York. I don't I don't know. I don't know what that means to say we don't accept the result. But I know this that if your arbiters of fact reveal themselves to not have a duty of care with the presentation of fact in times of uncertainty, it's going to be uncertain on Tuesday night, November fifth, twenty twenty four. It's going to be uncertain, I think. Who won? If the New York Times comes out with a headline, Biden wins re-election narrowly, White House says, you gonna believe that? I think consistent with some of the stuff we keep
1: talking about on this, the awareness that I'm going to say fog just to use the word fog and contrast it against transparency, against blue skies, against anything else. Fog creates opportunistic behavior. Actors running counter to the interest of the entire system can use fog for profit, for personal gain, for whatever else. And it feels like like the more, what you're saying is the more fog that gets created the more opportunity for this type
2: of negative behavior exists then the more well, that, you more know, you know, I mean, it's, but here. but it's, it's the fog is the necessary condition for something like this to happen, right? So the uncertainty by fog, we mean uncertainty, right? It's a, night we don't have any bother What, what happened at the hospital? I don't know what, what, what happened with the, the Ohio precincts in the election? I, I don't know. It's uncertain. It's unclear, um, you know, absentee balance aren't in yet. Oh, I, so it's unclear. The fallout the uncertainty is the, is the necessary condition. The sufficient condition is the institution that we as citizens rely on for information to abandon their duty of care. It was the plan of succession in this last season, right? and and it could absolutely be yeah you know, i was picking on the new york times earlier for late tuesday night saying biden wins re-election narrowly comma white house says well let's imagine a fox news anchor coming on at you know 12:30 a.m. Saying, and this was the plot of succession, right? We had decided we are calling Arizona for President Trump, and we're now saying that 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 Trump is the president-elect of the United States. You gonna believe him? So you're absolutely right, Matt. It, it's the, the 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 fog of war or election. The uncertainty gives the necessary condition for this to occur. Sorry, the sufficient condition, right? So, so that's got to happen first, but the necessary, what, 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 has happened to make it really happen is for the institution to abandon its, 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 its duty of care. And that's what we saw here, you know, in this past week, which makes me think, <coughs> you know, it. I I don't know what makes the pendulum swing in the other direction for these media institutions to start exercising more care. I can only see how they start exercising even less going forward.
3: I'm just curious, like, just to close this section, like as a consumer of this, as someone who wants to understand the facts, who wants to understand this, like, I know, like, when I go on Twitter, I know, like, I should just pretty much throw all that out in the garbage. I mean, Twitter is unusable in a situation like this. Because it's basically all, I mean, most of the stuff I'm seeing, I'm finding to be either very slanted or just untrue. But, and then also, like, I kind of knew, like, I could navigate in, in sort of the old world, I could navigate the other news sources. Like, I knew Fox News was giving me the right. I knew MSNBC was giving me the left. But, like, I still thought there was some, like, truth to it. And, and the hard part about this is for me, like, personally, is I'm, if I'm reading front page headlines in the New York Times that are just blatantly false. Like in, in in this polarized world, we're trying to get like at what the truth is. It's really hard for me. And I don't know if it is for other people, but as a consumer of this to figure out like, how do I navigate that world? H- how do I try to figure out what's true? Because it doesn't seem like what's true exists anywhere anymore.
2: I don't have a good answer for you, Jack. I, 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 whether it's in our healthcare authorities, Fauci would come to mind. Whether it's our Media authorities, like the New York Times, the BBC, you name it, they've squandered. They've squandered their reputation and credibility. It's happening in markets. It's happening in politics. It's just the great squandering. And um, I don't really think it's possible to get it back on any sort of short time horizon. I think it has to be won back slowly, painfully. Painfully, by giving up market share, by not getting the clicks, by not getting the status, by not getting the money, by intentionally saying, well, we're going to penalize ourselves and not get that. And I'll be interested to see if any organization actually would do that.
3: Do you think, because the incentives here, obviously, to generate clicks causes this to some degree, it it makes this type of stuff occur. I'm just wondering, like, does does this ever get bad enough where someone could start a news organization that actually does the right thing and actually does try to report the news and people would actually click on their stuff and people would read it? Because that's sort of the problem, right? Is like, if, if you do that, nobody reads it, nobody clicks on it. So like, could, right. is that, is that what has to happen? This has to get so bad that everybody's reporting everything on both sides that we could, an organization like that could eventually rise up and like, actually people would click on it because they're so sick of it.
2: Hey, I was, somebody asked me about this, the same thing earlier today. And I think there is that opportunity. It's not a viable opportunity. I don't think it works. The middle doesn't work. This is what we're saying, right? It doesn't work politically. It'd be the same thing as saying, okay, people are so fed up with these polarized candidates that a a centrist candidate can come up and, you know, people will vote for that person. And that all sounds great. And you get centrist candidates, more somewhat centrist candidates running on the Republican side, and they don't even get to the second debate because they don't have 1% of people saying, oh, yeah, I'll do that. So, sadly, Jack, this is what, this is, you know, these words, these $10 words, like equilibrium, this is what it means. What it means is that, no, it's not viable to start a media organization that plays it down the middle. Quick example, CNN right? So it brought in, I even forgot his name at this point. The new guy who's going to, you know, change their coverage to make it a little more balanced, to, to make it less, you know, left-leaning. The ratings plummeted, right? People don't want balance. That's again, this, this happens. Headlines like this happen because they work, because they go, Right into our brains, there is a receptor that is right there for the Jews bombed a hospital, right? That's right there. Got it. Embraced. Got to be true. So, uh, gosh, I wish I wish it were otherwise, Jack. And I think it only becomes otherwise after it pain. Yeah, ultimately the, when you say people get sick of it enough, it's not that, and that's not an experience you have from the comfort of your living room. You get sick of it when you're, when you suffer real tragedy in your family because of political violence. Right. I mean, this is when. Hobbes wrote about the Leviathan, right? Is after a brutal civil war where life is nasty, brutish, and short. And you say, all right, we're done with this. We need a strong sovereign to get us out of this brutal state of nature. So yeah, it happens eventually, Jack, but not until we all, each and every one of us, Loses a lot. One times, right? <laughs>
3: mm, not exactly.
2: Well, because this is why it is so important. What we're doing here, right, is so important is, is to see. You ask, you know, how do we react to this? Well, you react to it by, I, we have to deal with the world as it is, not as we want it to be. And the world as it is, is one where You can't trust these institutions to live up to their duty of care. So we have to find each other and exercise our duty of care with each other from the bottom up. And I know that's not as exciting and energizing as let's start a new political party or let's start a new big media company. but brothers i am telling you we are all we've got and it's got to come from that bottom up and there are a lot of us and we got to keep our eyes on that got to keep our eyes on that
3: yeah i mean that that was part of why i wanted to do this is like we i mean these are discussions that need to be had i mean they, they're very challenging discussions they're difficult discussions um you know not, not everybody needs to do it obviously on a podcast but it's like, these are discussions that need to be had. And and I think like this is helping me to, to understand what's going on better. It's hopefully helping me to be, you know, a better person in in a world like this.
2: Absolutely. Matt, you want to do your summing up? I mean, you're always awfully good at this. This is a tough one for summing up. I don't, I don't, I'm I'm putting you to the test here, Matt.
1: You're putting me to the test and, uh. In a brief side note, just of positivity on this, because I think it's really important that we look for the echoes here too. And this would just be one thing that I'm always going to look, I'm going to look to the arts. I'm going to look to people being creative for like, where's a positive echo of this thing we're experiencing. Have either of you encountered this new Marin Morris EP at all, The Bridge yet? Has this crossed either of your radar? Ben, have you seen
3: it? I have not. um, No but I'm, she's desperate, a,
2: she's a I'm desperate to hear it.
1: <laughs> she's a country artist, right? She is a country artist who um, has kind of split with Nashville. That's been sort of the, the media re- re-presenting of the story is she split with Nashville. She called some people out over racist remarks and how they would be defended. Took a lot of backlash for doing something that was an artifact of something we were talking about before the call. Like, be on Team Human, damn it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm care about the other people and uh i marin in her rejection sort of like of some of the rules she's been forced to play with she's a really interesting character for how she's saying i want to reject this identity bestowed on me as female country music artist yep the bridge is a two song ep and it's probably the context of a larger album I don't think I've been so stopped dead in my tracks by a video in a in a in a good while. So I'm gonna say, go out and see this. And before I do the summary, I just I can I keep thinking of it. This whole conversation. So I had to pull this up here. So the, the the first song on this thing is the tree, and then the second is "Get the Hell Out of Here." <laughs> the lead line in the tree is. I'm done filling a cup with a hole in the bottom. I'm taking an axe to the tree. The rot at the roots is the root of the problem, but you want to blame it on me.
2: It's a burn it all yeah,
1: F down statement
2: yeah. for a system that's
1: killing her from the inside out. And she's saying, I'm done filling this cup with a hole in the bottom. Holy country music, <laughs> history. Yep. Hold back out. Now, the, the line though, partway through the song that really got me and that I keep thinking of here is, and I think this is the solution to it, is she she invokes this line, I've made miracles in the shadows. And now I'm out in the sun, I'll never stop growing where I'm going. I hope I'm not the only one. But that right there, because this is about tree. This is about planting a seed and this is about growth. And making miracles in the shadows feels like the only thing we have to hold on to
2: here. No, it's the old phrase that there's no end to the good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Make, making miracles in the shadows. I love that line. And let me tell you, she's not the only one. Um, but it's telling that message to the world that you're not alone. that You can make miracles in the shadows. You can do amazing things from the bottom up even as you protect yourself and your family and friends from as best you can, from the depredations that are coming from top down. Yeah, I like that message too, Matt. I like it a lot.
1: The profound part in that second song is, you know, I look at this, this track listing and I say, get the hell out of here. And you hear this whole tee up and this whole just like the, I'm, I'm cutting this tree down, even if I'm making miracles in the shadows for the next one. Get the hell out of here is about chasing out the personal demons and doing the best you can internally. Instead of shouting it off the mountaintop, this is the, the invoking what is within. And she has the line in there, I do the best I can, but the more I hang around here, the less I give a damn. So to all the doubts and demons that I held so dear, go on, get the hell out of here.
2: That feels like where we are. It does indeed, Matt. Because the most powerful stories are not the stories that others tell us. The most powerful stories are the stories that we tell ourselves. Over and over again. And telling ourselves better stories. Yeah, I can get behind that too. Yeah. Local. Summary.
1: Words always matter. The headlines happen because they work. We can't forget that ever. This media change we've experienced over the last 5, 10, 20 years, this is the wall people are always heading towards. The mediums are the metaphor, the text message that I get, the alert. We're breaking news in the same way, which is so important that we break this down because as the middle, as the trust falls out, we have to deal with this hurt. I'm going to read this quote from Rusty that we hinted at, but uh, Rusty Gwynn wrote this in a post this week. What we should never accept is a news media whose response to uncertainty is to exercise less discretion instead of more. If this isn't about narrative status, if this isn't about signaling to the other entities whose eyeballs get first and therefore who collects the status ad dollars and whatever else, it's got to be about the discretion, about the duty of care, about declaring you're on team human first. And if we don't see it at the global level, it's ever more important we see it at the local level. Because as we head into this election season, with the risk of wondering who will be declared winner and how it'll be accepted or rejected, Ben, you used the word, you called it, this is the great squandering. How are we supposed to regain trust? Well, it only happens at the bottom. And I want to go out on that Marin Morris quote again. It happens at the bottom. It's the roots. The only thing left to do is to make
2: miracles in the shadows. Matt, you've got a gift for this. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you're watching Breaking News so more people can find our show. If you know another clear-eyed and full-hearted individual, why not share this episode with them too? Like we said at the top, The media is making us tick, and it's our job to talk. Follow the headlines at fiatnews.com. Follow Ben at epsilontheory.com and at epsilontheory on Twitter. Follow Jack at validiacapital.com and at practicalquant on Twitter. Follow Matt at sunpointinvestments.com, cultishcreative.com, and at cultishcreative
2: on Twitter.